0: Hello, and welcome to the Related to Geeks podcast, the podcast about a geeky family. This is episode three, original air date Thursday, September 3rd, 2015. My name is Megan, the youngest of the siblings and your host. And with us tonight is my brother, Kier. Hello. My sister, Sarah. Hello. And our dad, a.k.a. Harry Larry, a.k.a. Dabaw, a.k.a. Robot Dad. Yola. Yola. So, to explain the format of this particular podcast, we will start off with what's caused us to geek out lately, then we'll get into our topic of the week, and finally wrap things up with our picks of the week. So, now that that mouthful is over, let's get right into it with Sarah. What's caused you to geek out lately?
1: So, we've been kind of talking about astronomy as being one of our subjects that we're learning about this year, and we kind of watched some of the meteor shower. We didn't get, we didn't get great views of it. I think just because our house faces the wrong way, but we did see a few, a few meteor, um, few meteors fall, and and that spawned some new interest again. So um, Liz and I have been watching Crash Course Astronomy, just as a fun little. Thing to do during our homeschool days, and we've checked some books out of the library. We went to half price books when we were in St. Louis a couple of weeks ago and bought some astronomy books there too. So she's studying that, and um, we're planning on going to a stargazing party in St. Louis this coming up weekend. So I'm excited about that to see how that is, and maybe in a couple of weeks is the. Um, I think it's the International Observe the Moon, something along those lines, and there's something going on down in Arkansas for that that we might try to go to. So we're having fun just learning, learning about everything that's, that I used to be really interested in when I was probably Liz's age and, and haven't really been exploring much lately, so having fun re- rediscovering that.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to get out there again and, and do more stargazing and, and all of that. Uh, but I have to wait for later in the year because right now I'd just be carried off by mosquitoes.
1: Uh, yeah, that's well, not fun. that's why you should come a- up here and visit us because we don't have mosquitoes and we have very little light pollution. So, bring your telescope up and we'll go
0: look at some stars.
2: I got a new telescope.
0: Yeah. Cool. I- I heard that there was there was a telescope that you had and a telescope that I had and we should both take our telescopes to Sarah's house where <laughs> the mosquito population is not in the bajillions. It's
1: not. it's actually really nice outside in the evening. <laughs> we're talking about buying a telescope but it's not it's not something we're rushing into. We want to make sure that we get the best bang for the buck we can. We might buy something really inexpensive just to, to be able to look at like the moon and some of the planets um, as a starting off point just because the interest is there right now. So if I can just get that telescope out so that we can look, I think that could go a long way. Yeah, if
0: nothing else, it'll give uh, Liz uh, some scope of just uh, how much is out there that you can't see with the naked eye. Because even when in low you know light pollution areas... You just put even, like, a a low-power telescope out there and and look through it, and you'll see so much more. Right.
1: And we did have a—we had a telescope a few years ago, but um, it was right before—we moved to Chicago about five or six years ago. We're not there anymore, but we moved there about five or six years ago. And we had a telescope before we moved there, but we gave it to our neighbor because we knew that that telescope wasn't going to be really powerful enough to see much. So and he was excited about just being able to go out into his backyard and what he could see. And you could kind of with that telescope see like the rings of Saturn and and obviously more detail in the moon. It wasn't a great telescope or anything, but Liz remembers nothing of this. Even though obviously she she looked through it and had a great time, but she was 6 or 7 at the time. So she just she doesn't remember any of it. So I would like to get her back behind the lens of a scope
3: well my vote is that we all get together over at Sarah's house dad and Megan brings telescopes I'll bring Wendy and then uh like a good nine years from now uh I will reminisce over the fact that Wendy enjoyed looking at a telescope and remembers nothing and be thinking about getting a telescope
0: (laughs) there you go (laughs) sounds like a plan (laughs) Alright, Kier, what has caused you to geek out lately?
3: I have been in a a plethora of geek mode. I have been geeking out over so many different things these last couple of weeks. Uh, The biggest thing, though, is probably the uh, uh, War Machine League that I am in the process of trying to wrap up plans for and get underway. And uh, we're going to meet uh every other week at our local campus library and we've got at least 10 people signed up already and uh we're doing what's called a slow grow league where you start off with a very small i I would i wouldn't even call it an army it's a a battle group or whatever you would call it in war machine uh so you got one guy and his two uh giant robots or or giant beasts and then you slowly grow it up into you know uh, a few units and maybe some more beasts and some solos and some mercenaries and, and things of that nature and uh it's it's really cool and i'm really excited if you haven't checked it out you should check out war machine
1: yeah, we all three play, obviously. We've talked about it before, I think. And
3: mm-hmm. that's
1: been something else I've been doing is trying to figure out which army I'm going to play in this slow grower league. So, cause I keep flip flopping between. There's a lot. There's 12, I think, different armies you can choose from. And I'm, yeah. I'm notorious for not being able to make up my mind. The last one, the last one that I did, I did mercenaries, which is some people will tell you not even really a faction, but, <laughs> um, I, um, because they're they're often oh. used to help other other armies and stuff. Just um, and so there's part of me that just wants to stick with mercenaries and do a different caster. But then there's other factions to try out. So I'm trying to figure that out.
3: I for one am playing Signar, aka mercenaries.
1: <laughs> there is that. <laughs> <laughs> Signar not known
3: for for their standalone in-faction models, but man, they can take just about any mercenary model out there, and they do. So at any rate, for this league, one of the things that I'm doing is there's a website out there called OutFab, and with it, you can uh, basically send them a piece of vector art, and they will laser cut you uh, plastic wood, or I think maybe even uh, metallic, whatever your design is, I'll laser cut it out for you. So I'm making some custom badges. So as you grow in the league, you get these badges periodically for participating or painting miniatures or making terrain or uh, playing games on a, a clock or you know winning or losing games. It doesn't matter. So you get more points as you play, and the more points you get, the more of these badges you unlock. And you can unlock the whole set if you play from the beginning of the league all the way to the end. And uh, then at the end, there are three special badges for people who have, you know, done the most for the hobby side of things or done the most uh, points in in playing and winning games or the most of a combination of the two.
0: So it's the the Boy Scouts of War Machines?
3: It is very much that. Uh, In fact, we played earlier uh this year slash late last year and uh, we did a uh, uh, we actually had like the embroidered patches that you got as part of this so I can't do that because embroidered patches are oddly very expensive and uh, the 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 outfab laser cut uh, uh, brass finish kind of uh, acrylic is fairly cheap comparatively
1: and the other thing is is that almost everybody that's going to be playing already has those embroidered patches because most of the people have done journeyman before so it'll give them something different too
3: yeah yeah so i've been uh using inkscape which is one of my favorite vector graphics programs that's completely free and i highly recommend it and i have been making extremely precise uh Uh, images for the badges to be laser cut out of uh, using as a guide.
1: I can't wait to see them.
0: right, Uh, Dad, what's caused you to geek out lately?
2: Well, first I want to uh, give a short report report on my backup system. Um, I'd had it in place, uh, you know, like less than a week and I had a terabyte and a half drive die on one of my main productions. And, uh, and so I just copied the appropriate tree over to it, and like two hours later, I had it installed, and all my data was back. It was so wonderful. So that's the recovery portion of the backup, the most important part. Awesome. Yeah, I was I was very pleased. But as far as what I'm really geeking out on lately, it's all been music. Um, let's see, a week ago Saturday, I played at the farmer's market. I played jazz piano, and then... Uh, last Saturday, I went to McGregor Fest and did a short set, uh, a benefit for Don McGregor, who I play music with, at Memphis. And then next Saturday, Peoria, Illinois, and the Illinois Blues Fest. Uh, three weeks of Blues Fest here in Jonesboro. So I'm totally wrapped up in the music back in school and doing music composition and jazz improv. Very cool. I
1: saw that about the the Illinois Blues Fest. That sounds like fun.
2: Yeah, and Vivian's going to get to visit some relatives that she hasn't seen since she was a teenager.
1: Yeah, I heard that. I think that's awesome. Are you going to play at the Illinois one, or are you just going to listen?
2: No, I'm going to play, and I'm giving a couple workshops, too. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's one of those deals oh, where where it's almost going to cover the transportation, the, the playing uh, <laughs> recompense. We'll almost cover the transportation there and back. But that includes your mom's transportation, so that's that's great, you know.
3: Yeah. Some of my uh, fondest memories uh, were, were going to the Blues Fest with you and going to the campgrounds and uh, drawing all of the musicians as they were playing. Yeah. That's, do, you, uh, do you still have those pictures, yeah, or did I take I, those?
2: I still have them. I have some of them anyway. I am not sure which memorabilia box they're in, but I've still got them.
3: I really enjoyed that. Yeah, me uh, too. I remember the the year that it, oh, which one was it? Was it the Helena one that it rained, and it was just a giant mud pit?
2: Yep, yep, I remember. <laughs> the giant mud
3: pit. <laughs> I remember there was a, a guy, I cannot remember his name, but he was the, the mayor of the campground, self proclaimed yeah.
2: Mayor Mike.
3: Yeah. Still on, Still with. Uh, yep. And I I remember I was joking with him. I said, is there anything you can do about this rain? And he just looked to the heavens and he shouted, rain? You call this rain? And uh, at which point the sky just opened up and rain poured down. And I was <laughs> like, that is not what I had in mind.
1: <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for and a it, second, he magic powers.
2: <laughs> it wasn't just mud, it was Mississippi mud because, mm-hmm. you know, all the undercarriage of the cars got covered in it, mine included. And um one year later I was going back to Helena and I had to change the tire and there was still big gobs. A year later, still big gobs of that mud on the car.
3: Yeah, the other thing I remember about that year is there was essentially three classifications of, of how hardcore you were about that festival. The, the the normal people would pay people to tow them out of the mud pit because they had had enough and they were going to go home. The hardcore people just stuck it out, stayed in the mud, and, camped and did the entire festival. And then there were super hardcore people who were actually paying people to tow them into the campground <laughs> In <laughs> inch <it's> deep mud, <laughs> but they join the
1: party. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I guess it's your turn, Megan. Yeah, someone should ask me ask me a question. <laughs> what, are, what have you been geeking out about lately, Megan?
0: Uh, I have been exploring web development, more specifically blog development. I am looking into launching a new blog. That's called uh, Megantopia, the sort of lifestyle blog, um, because I enjoy a lot of uh, DIYs, crafting, cooking, uh, organizing, all of that stuff, but I'm only kind of sort of good at it, you know, I'm pretty organized, I kind of know how to cook and stuff like that, so makes it not as professional, which is nice for me, because I, uh, I don't want anybody to believe that I actually know what I'm doing when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, just, just been taking time exploring that, writing stuff for that, and and spending probably more time on Pinterest than anybody ever should, but that comes with the I, territory, I'm sure.
1: I've been doing that for years.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pinterest is, is, I mean, I, I actually do some of the stuff that I pin, so, I mean, I think I'm a, I'm a leg up on some people, but I can get lost in that, in that site. Lots of cool ideas.
0: Yeah, I, um... I'm I'm compiling lists of things. I kind of want to incorporate some kind of uh, video aspect through YouTube to where I can do like, you know, kind of like a Pinterest fails kind of thing where I just try things on Pinterest and most likely I'm going to fail at them because a lot of things on Pinterest aren't really as, you know, uh, effective as, as they might appear in the pictures that you see, so going to have some fun with it and, and do some different things but I'll, I, that will be launching hopefully in the next couple of weeks and I'll, I'll do a shameless self-plug when that happens but right now I'm still just kind of in the thick of making sure I've got all my ducks in a row before I do anything with it.
3: What are you using as far as your, your website go? Are you using Tumblr or are you using, I'm using WordPress? WordPress? Yeah? I like WordPress. I am a fan. I've been been doing a lot of WordPress stuff work lately.
1: That's what I blog in when I blog. I blog for other people, not for myself. But that's what I use as WordPress. It's pretty intuitive.
2: I use Tumblr, but I also have uh, WordPress. Something blues on WordPress. Uh, At McGregorFest, I ran uh, two video cameras all day. I guess there were seven or eight acts. Um, And I ran... They were Don's cameras, but I ran them all day. And uh, um, and four audio microphones. And uh, we'll see... uh, uh, when we get around to doing any posts, how that come up?
0: Yeah, I got to get back into figuring out how to work cameras and do video editing and figure all that out on my current setup because it's been a while since I've actually done any recording, uh, video recording. So. Going to be a learning curve on that. Probably going to start with just the the article writing and the blog posts themselves because that's, you know, what I do every day at work as a journalist is write articles. So that should come pretty naturally. So
1: So that's kind of funny because I'm actually thinking about starting to get into video. I've been doing, you know, blog posts with pictures and stuff for years and years. And I'm actually looking at probably doing some stuff and putting it up on YouTube, mainly in the crafting, scrapbooking, planner sector. And then maybe some board games, too. Liz really likes the idea of playing a board game and just showing the play. I've even figured out now how to rig a, a top-down camera. I bought a GorillaPod and have hung it from our chandelier. And then I can just clip, <laughs> clip the... Um, clip the camera on.
0: It's a very lightweight camera, people. It's a very lightweight camera. It is. It is not a
1: DSLR. It is just a Canon PowerShot. But it does. I mean, I did a test, um, and the lighting is good there because I have a big window right by the table, and everything was a good distance I was able to you know get up on a chair and zoom in where I wanted it to be um but yeah I mean it was it's it's one of those things that I've talked to Megan about this and I think I've talked to Kira about it too just trying to figure out how how to make an overhead shot work and and um I had even totally forgot that Gorilla Pods existed and then we were at Best Buy and saw one and was like, that might do it. <laughs> and then I spent another day or two just trying to figure out where I could possibly put it, what I could use to rig it up. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I have a chandelier above my dining room table. So um, the, the only problem with that is is that it sometimes takes a little while for it to stop swinging, which is fun it makes somebody really sick <laughs> or dizzy or something <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited <laughs>
0: it's, it's like the Blair Witch project of you know planning <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: project life <laughs> or dining room floor <laughs> something like that <laughs> but yeah I just I've just got to be more patient and wait and make sure it stops swinging <laughs> but but my first video at the beginning, I was like, "Wow, that's gonna be a problem." <laughs> uh, that is now deleted. <laughs> it's not gonna do anybody any good.
2: I use a Canon PowerShot for my videos. It works so good.
1: I I really like it. We've had it. It's it's an older model. We've had it for probably four or five years. Um, but it does a it does a pretty good job. It's um, uh, I think for a point and shoot camera, it's a little more advanced than a lot of point and shoot cameras.
2: Mine's uh. A couple of years old but it does HD and I like that so
1: oh yeah as somebody who spends a lot of time watching YouTube on a large screen TV I really like it when people shoot in HD
2: I usually uh, uh, shoot 1080 and then uh, render to 720 you know 1920 by 1080 and then render to 720 and that way I can zoom in a little in post without pixelating
1: right uh, yeah.
0: okay yeah, I feel like uh, 720 is also that sweet spot for YouTube. It's where it's it, crisp, but it still loads pretty well. and
1: so easy with all the devices now that can get YouTube that you already have attached to your TV. Uh, it makes it really easy to be lazy and, and pretend that you're actually being productive because you're learning something or whatever. <laughs> it's a nice thing.
2: Learning things
3: is good.
0: yeah. I agree
3: I learned a lot of things from YouTube
0: all right well I'm thinking that we're uh, pretty much wrapping up this section of the podcast we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back with our topic of the week
2: you're listening to the related to geeks podcast The podcast of a geeky family hosted on our website, related to geeks.com, and on our YouTube channel.
0: All right, everybody, welcome back. Our topic of the week for this podcast is geek groups. These are kind of those groups that maybe are gaming groups or anime groups. Could be just a small role-playing group that you're playing D&D with. But just different groups that we participated in, maybe led... Just a general discussion about those groups in our lives. So, uh, let's open it up.
3: I have participated in, or run, just an enormity of groups over my life. Uh, I am really looking back on it surprised at how many gaming clubs or gaming groups or just, you you know, getting together with friends to play RPGs that I have done over the years. Uh, I've run online uh, guilds or groups in MMOs, Uh, I have uh, done more uh, weekly RPG games than I can count, and uh, I've even been a part of uh, uh, computer clubs or uh, gaming clubs, Uh, and I'm currently uh, co-leading a gaming club with Sarah right now called the NEA Gamers Guild and uh it's I fab- have... fabulous huh
1: i said it's fabulous
3: it is fabulous i i've learned a lot of uh techniques for keeping your groups together uh and uh, uh even that said uh sometimes groups just fall apart and you can't figure out why and uh, our brother Carl and I have actually had numerous conversations over all of our past like uh, role-playing game groups, and trying to find the commonalities. What did they have in common that lasted longer than you know a you know most RPG groups get together for the first couple three weeks and then they just fizzle out. Uh, but you know quite a few of them play for. You know, months, if not years, before they finally decide they've run the story uh, all the way to its conclusion. And uh, we've, we've talked back and forth on that pretty extensively. Uh, and I think we've even mentioned it at past family get-togethers. But uh, really, what we discovered is that there was surprisingly very little in common. (laughs) And in fact, I think the most important thing is just having the right players at the right time who are showing up and uh, playing every week. And uh, the biggest piece of advice that I could give people running like a weekly RPG game is rather you have two people show up or six people show up, just go ahead and run the game. And the reason for that is, and this is definitely the one that every single one of my groups had in common that fell apart, is if you're waiting for the entire group to be there for you to run the game, well, one, people feel like they can skip because they're not going to miss anything. And two... People start showing up, and then at the last minute, one or two people cancel, and then you're just sitting around either playing other games or just, you know, passing time that evening and not really doing anything. And then after a while, people just don't show up because they don't want to just show up and sit around. They want to play a game. So really, my biggest piece of advice is, you know, if one guy shows up to your house ready at a game, then put together a game for him.
1: I think that sound.
2: Well also um, snacks. <laughs> yeah, I was I
1: was I was gonna say the longest the longest D and D group I've been a part of was with Kier and our brother or other brother and lots of friends and family and all of that and we would get together at their house and they would cook dinner every Friday night. <laughs> and you know, there's something about going and getting a home cooked meal and playing D&D until 1 o'clock in the morning, it was pretty fun. And it definitely... I think we were pretty much there every weekend. If we were in town, we were there.
3: In fact, I would say that the people that you're playing with and the snacks that you're eating are probably the most (laughs) important aspects of a a role-playing game get-together. The setting and the game system, that's all, you know, that's just icing, (laughs)
1: oh my gosh i mean there were times we probably packed 15 16 people in her little trailer living room i mean we were talking a an old single wide uh and we would be packed in there but we all had the time of our life it was so much fun
3: yep getting into the large scale of things uh uh, currently Sarah and I are running the NEA Gamers Guild and we have been doing that for uh, I guess about
1: since the beginning of February so about seven months right yeah. at seven months
3: yep. oh. and uh, the uh, we we both went out and looked up a bunch of other groups Sarah more than I And we reached out to them and contacted them to get advice from them. So I feel like the majority of advice we could give on that front is advice that we got from other people and then also potentially learned a little bit firsthand uh, ourselves. Like uh, one of the things that, uh, one of the pieces of advice that we got was rares are are better than commons. If you're getting to where you're having two or three get-togethers every single week, you're going to find that you have two or three people at those get-togethers, and that's it. But if you have one one big get-together every month, well, you're going to have a pretty good turnout every single month for that, because it's going to be another month before you can get together and play a lot of games. So, on, uh, you know, kind of inverse from the weekly RPG session, if you've got a big group of gamers you're really better off getting together once or twice a month rather than once a week.
1: And the way that we shoot for things right now is about three three things a month. It's going to be a little bit more now with the, the miniature gaming coming in, which is yep going to be every other week, so that's already twice a month. But we try at least one, one board game, like board game night, and then we also, I know that Kira talked about this last time, was about the thing that we're doing at the public library the local public library which is more geared towards families and bringing people in from the library to play games with us and introducing them to some of the new games that are out there and that's been pretty fun I think I think as far as geeky groups go we should go to dad though because he started a very geeky group back in the 80s that I know I was a big part of
2: starting in preschool (laughs)
1: <laughs> Starting in preschool, I,
2: and I started to learn the game of chess when I was like five or six years old. And uh, the guy who ran that was one of those guys who could be help people and then running a couple other games in his head and call out the moves across the room. So that impressed me very much. And then uh, uh, later on, like around junior high school, I was for the magic club. It's really a cool thing, a lot of fun to do, and you. Uh, You learn about how to do presentations, how to present yourself in front of people, plus you learn the tricks, you know. And then later in high school, I was president of our high school chess club. And uh, that was my first experience at really successful group promotion. Because if you were president of a club, you could make a homeroom announcement that would be read in every homeroom. So my announcement was... Join Chess Club and be socially accepted, which always got a good laugh, but also got good attendance.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Join Chess yeah. Club and be socially accepted. Yes.
2: <laughs> that didn't work great. And then also at the same time, I was in uh, a couple of different astronomy clubs. We were talking about astronomy earlier, and that's a uh, substantial geek presence in astronomy clubs. And we would do newsletters and magazines, which I think is important for any group. Now it's usually uh, internet, you know, um, and you don't have to put up with the printing, the mailing, and distribution and all that. But I I I think email lists are important, and I I also think you know having a blog or schedule online where where things change all the time and people can go check out what what's happening new. And then when I was working. In Jonesboro, um, I was president of the Jonesboro User Group, which is a computer club, and we covered games, and we also covered programming and freeware and open source software, and just a whole bunch of financial software, just all kinds of different programs. Um, we would have a meeting every month, and we also had a special interest groups that met, uh, like the C64 SIG or the Atari SIG. And um, we also even had an explorer group for a couple years, and we did computer stuff and astronomy stuff. So that was really cool. And uh, Sarah was in that explorer group, and um, several of her friends I still see and know today, and they're still doing computers. So that's really pretty weird.
1: Yeah, and and that was fun, too. That was was definitely a fun time, because I can remember we used to get the big telescopes. I don't know whose telescopes they were, but we'd go out to the fields off the town and, and just find different things. Um, I can remember being really excited about learning about how to find galaxies outside of ours. And, and of course, I, I think I probably learned more in that that time during, during our trips um, about astronomy than I did every other part of my life.
2: Yeah, there's something about actually looking and seeing that stuff with your eye, as opposed to looking at Hubble pictures, which are beautiful and, and really look much better. But it's not the same as looking through a telescope and being awestruck by just thinking about what you're looking at, you know.
1: Yeah. And I was also, I was heavily involved with the Jonesboro User Group as well. Um, I, I was... Uh, especially the Atari group, <laughs> the special interest group,
2: and the Explorer, and the Explorer.
1: group, which was, very su- was oh, go ahead.
2: It was very successful because we would always have pizza.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anytime you wanna you wanna um, get teens involved with something, give them pizza. It's a it's a known fact. Well, um, but I was silly. also. I what,
3: think that works with adults too. Yeah. I was, <laughs>
1: I, um, I led a, a young adult book discussion group for a while. Um, I worked at a library and worked with the teens. And one of the things we did was we got one of the local pizza places to donate pizza. And um, by the time I left, I think my first one, we had maybe five, five or six show up. By the time I left, I think we were at 20 or so kids every month. Which was pretty amazing, but and I think you know the pizza didn't hurt. I don't know if that's the only reason they came, but I don't think it hurt. It's
0: The only reason I came.
1: Well, I know, but that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. <laughs>
0: uh, well, actually, yeah, and I was I was gonna jump in here a little bit and talk a little bit about groups, you know, that I was involved in, and actually growing up, um. I didn't have a lot of opportunities for groups like that because I was, I was homeschooled and, and dad had retired a little bit from his, his group forming business and, and moved on to other things in his life. Um, but you know, definitely in high school, I, I participated in a lot of library programs and that's a, that's a great place to get plugged into a lot of things that are definitely of the geeky variety. Um, but I know that we, you know, we would have game nights and we had, you know, the book discussion group and obviously summer reading programs and all of that so that's a wonderful place to get plugged in and then as soon as I entered college like within the first week I I had already visited the anime club and you will never find a group of people that are more open and welcoming and just willing to love you from the first second I mean if you're if you're uh, easily overwhelmed that may not be the best club for you, but if you just, you just want a place where you're, you've got a lot of really enthusiastic people about really all kinds of geek things because, you know, while it was the anime club and we did a lot of focus on anime and discussed anime, there were some people that just enjoyed that environment and enjoyed those people that maybe really didn't watch a lot of anime but, you know, still came and we talked about other things. So, that was a, uh... That was a, a wonderful club to to join, for sure.
3: Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because there tends to be a lot of overlap among geek clubs. So, I I gamed with a, a guy on a weekly basis for the longest time, and neither one of us realized that he was in the anime club with you at the same time.
1: Yeah.
3: So So, we both knew the guy, and then one night you came over to my house to play games and he was there and you're like oh, hey. "All right."
2: <laughs> after the jones boy user group i got involved in uh, blues fest our 25th year this year the blues club inc this was the major group of my life and i always called it a disorganization because we were all volunteers and no membership or dues or anything and uh but we built the band shell out at the park and donated it to the city, and we're still doing music out there. And Megan was very heavily involved in photography for the uh, our shows out there. And Kieran and Carl were heavily involved in helping to build the band shell.
3: Yeah. There was a yes. while there where every weekend, Carl, Dad, and I would go out to Crickhead Forest Park, and we
1: would just work.
2: And before that, every weekend, we'd go out there and play music. <laughs>
1: Yep. <laughs> i say early and, uh, on i'm not
2: sarah was stage manager
1: yeah i was i was not a musician in the family but i would i would help you know move speakers around and
2: yeah.
1: and make sure people had microphones and and help artists up to the stage and and stuff like that so i mean it was only for a few years i unfortunately moved away not too long after it started but i, I found a way to be involved anyway
2: even uh Sister Gretchen helped quite a bit there for a while
1: Well, she yeah. played for a while too.
2: Yes, she did. She played uh,
1: probably at the first few She was probably still playing drums
2: I'm looking at a I'm looking at a picture of Harry Larry, and the flying Hungarians right now with uh, Gretchen and Kier and Carl and Aldous on the wall
1: Those are all siblings just so you know <laughs> <laughs> yep. we, are, we are a rather large Ouch. family <laughs>
3: I will say that the best geek group I've ever been involved in is this geek group. Aww. <laughs> uh,
0: I want to I want to talk a little bit about like the accidental geek groups because I feel like we've all had this occur in our lives where you just I know there was a situation in college where like Fridays kind of just became the day where a, a, a small group of us would get together and play some video games and play some board games. And it started with like four or five of us. And then gradually, you know, more and more people got invited and, you know, started, you know, coming out. And, you know, there was a period of time where I, you know, still was kind of considered the host. It wasn't at my house. It was at a a, a kind of, you know, public student center on campus. But uh, it was kind of considered, you know, my my baby. And it, it morphed to where we had, you know. 25, 30 people show up to play games on Friday afternoon, you know, they'd get out of their last class on Friday and they'd want to go and just, you know, blow off steam and play games and we just kind of became the place for it. So I find that those are, those are really fun when you kind of have just those, those times where you just find a bunch of people that want to, want to do those things together and it just works out and it's hard to, it's hard to manufacture those.
3: That was most of my RPGs I ran in college that lasted longer than a few weeks. They'd start off with four people, and the next thing I know would be three months later, and I'd have nine players showing up every week. And uh, I'm going to tell you, nine players is too many players in an RPG.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we had times where we had, like, three different systems set up, and then two or three you know tables playing board games we had people with their laptops out playing games on their laptops and showing them off on laptops i mean
3: yep i've been to a a, a couple of those get togethers i would i was done growed up and graduated by that time but pop back in to say hello to some old friends and sit down play some games
2: i want to make a leadership comment Uh, A lot of people wonder what it takes to, you know, lead a group and start a group and keep it going. And sometimes I think the most important thing is uh, just be willing to do the work and make the phone calls and send the emails and show up.
1: Showing up is a big part of it. Um, (laughs) If you don't show up, nobody else is going to. Uh, Showing uh, up is the
3: most important part of it.
1: You know, most of our group happens on a Facebook page. Most of the communication we do have a website, but most of our communication happens happens on our Facebook page. And if it's been a couple of days or a day and nothing's been posted, I find something and I post it. Because I want people to go, Oh yeah, this group exists. This group has stuff to to add to my gaming experience.
2: Whether it's a blog or a Facebook page or a website, you gotta have churn if if someone's logging on every day they're not expecting something different every day but if they're logging on twice a week you want them to see something new every time they log on
3: yeah
0: yeah and even though i didn't really start that you know friday night game group you know thinking i was gonna use it as you know reaching out to people i still found myself you know every friday you know posting on facebook real quick hey we're getting together to play games come if you want and you know it was just one of those natural things that you know is an easy way to extend the invite to a lot of people. And you know, in college, you meet new people in class all the time and start adding them on Facebook. And before you know it, they start showing up to those game days. And it doesn't—it it doesn't take a tremendous amount of effort, but it is—it is work. You know, you can't just—you know—set something up and then show up and expect everybody else to know what's going on. You actually have to promote it and and reach out to people and encourage other people to reach out, because obviously, if they're into gaming, then they probably know other people who are into gaming, too.
3: Yep. Yeah. Uh, And reaching out is really... I mean, that was another piece of advice that Sarah and I got, was if you want a bunch of people to show up to your game days, then you've got to be proactive and you've got to reach out to them and you've got to say hey, we're having a get-together, this is the time, this is the place, we'd love to see you there. And reaching out to people is, I mean, you can't just say we're doing this every Friday and then never say anything again because it immediately, you know, people stop hearing about it. They assume that it's not going anymore.
2: Also, invites are good, but uh, if there's someone that you really want to come, that you really think would be good, ask them to help. Ask if they can yeah. help you. <laughs> yeah. If they say they can help, they're likely to show up, you know. They invite, it's easy to say, oh, well, I, I was tired or whatever, you know.
1: Also, reaching out, I mean, it, it's I, I've had at least a couple of people that have joined our group because I've met them out and about while I was, like, shopping, and I noticed them in the game section, and we started up a conversation about games, and I'm like, hey, we've got this group check it out and they're like I didn't even leave the store and they had joined at least on one instance which that makes you feel good they're like that's that's really great that they really are interested in being a part of this
0: so um does anybody have advice on the opposite side and not necessarily starting a group or being the leadership role but how to get plugged into a group like that how to where to find them you know how to find ones that kind of are the right fit for you where you need to look for joining those types of groups
1: Meetup.com and unfortunately we're not on meetup.com, but it is a great place to look for whatever it is that interests you. Um, And I have used it. I use it for a board game group that we go to in St. Louis. Sometimes I used it in Chicago for different things. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's, that's a, that's a really good place. Um, Another one is Facebook. Just look for groups um, based on your interest. Um, And, and, not only groups in your area, but there's also virtual groups on just about everything you could possibly be interested in. I'm, I'm members of scrapbooking groups and um, planner groups and all of this on Facebook because it's there for me and I can pick other people's brains and see what they're doing, especially if you live in a, an area that's kind of remote like I do. Having those kind of virtual groups are good, too.
3: Other good places to check would be at uh, local bookstores. If you've got a local gaming store, that's a great place to look, uh, and at your library. Uh, library is especially good because it's kind of a catch-all. You know, if you're whether you're looking for a, a, a computer club, or a gaming club, or a chess club, odds are they have some ties to the local library, and that's just because that is a good universal meetup place for just about any club of any interest and uh you know go ask your librarian what clubs are in the area because odds are they know
2: yeah and they've got a research desk where they got people and that's their job to help you find that stuff
1: google is also a good place
2: another way to get Involved in groups. Um, I mean, we've all invited a lot of people and had one out of ten show up. when you when you get an invite, follow up on it and go. You know, and maybe that's not going to be the group you want, but you'll meet other people there, and they've got other stuff going on. So it's just a good way to meet people is to when someone invites you to take the effort to get off your duff and get out there
1: and sometimes that's the hard part, but it's it's usually I found work that I I have to push myself sometimes to go be a part of a group I'm I'm pretty much a homebody (laughs) so it's it's good sometimes to just kind of push yourself to do something that that stretches you
0: yeah and I I just want to put it out there too that if you find that group uh or if you you know go and visit that group and you find that it's not the right fit don't let that discourage you because while there are groups out there that are kind of selective or don't really necessarily have the most welcoming attitude, that is not the majority. Most groups are formed because they want to meet more people who are interested in whatever subject that is. So you will you will find a group that, that really is a comfortable fit for you if you search long enough.
1: Yeah. And and give it maybe give it more than one time because it's hard when you're the newcomer in a group and everybody already knows each other. But but give it a couple of times because people start to, to recognize you and that's probably going to be, I mean, people gravitate towards people they already know. And I think that's just human nature, but it doesn't take long. I've, I've learned, uh, you know, I was part of a homeschool group and, you know, the first couple of times were a little uncomfortable. I didn't really know anybody, but by the third time everybody knew me and it was fine. It just took those first couple of times to get acquainted with everybody. And I think that's probably true of most groups, especially larger groups. Smaller groups are mm-hmm. not as much of a problem.
3: The other thing I would point out is most people who have started these groups really have. They've done it because they want people who have never even heard of the thing their group is about to come and join in and be a part of it. Uh, One of the number one deterrents I hear of people going to uh, geek clubs is, you know, I don't really know a whole lot about that subject, and I don't know if I would, you know, really have anything in common to talk to about anyone. And I've heard that from friends and family members where they're just nervous to go to a gaming club because they're not really that big into gaming. And, you know, if there's some total experience is Monopoly, then how are they going to handle this game club that potentially looks down on that game? And, uh, you know, the you, know, you can reassure them and say, these are people who are dying to share their interest with people. They want nothing more than to introduce people who have never played any of these games or done any of this stuff with computers or anything uh, to all these new concepts. Uh, And uh, the other piece of advice I would give for people looking to join groups is remember that just about every group out there, no matter how welcoming, will typically have a couple of members who are not necessarily the most welcoming are not necessarily the easiest people to get along with. And going once and meeting those people, you could turn you off to a group, but I would always recommend giving it another shot because there's a good chance that you just met those people.
1: Yeah, and I think every group, especially large groups, have those people. Um, and usually and I'm hopeful for this anyway, that, that usually for every one of those people there are quite a few other people there that are not as off putting and are welcoming. But mm-hmm. but yeah, if that's if that's the person you ended up <laughs> being, you know, playing a game with that night, don't judge the entire group on that person. Give it a second chance. Play a game with a different person and see what that experience is like. It's so weird because I've been I've been a member of a lot of groups. I have led a lot of groups. Um I have been kind of both in a lot of groups um, where, you know, I'm not really a leader, but I take on roles.
2: Well, if you want to be one of the people that's always welcome, you know, at the group where you're going, bring some snacks.
0: Snacks, <laughs> <laughs> sure. there you go. I mean, you- snacks yeah. are like the golden rule.
2: For- Home-baked cookies are the best.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell
3: you what. Uh, we were at the uh, a uh, Thursday night game night at the uh, campus library and a guy showed up late and he brought brownies and man, he was everybody's favorite.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Here and I were talking about this today. When you have a group and you do pizza, everybody shows up, they throw in $5 and you can buy a lot of pizza if you have a lot of people throwing in $5 and usually more than everybody will eat, mm-hmm. which is kind of so so you know there's plenty of food and that's a really good way to do it too if you want food at your gatherings just Mm -hmm. take a you know people are more than happy usually to pay $5 a person pass
2: the hat and make a phone call
0: yep and it works well I just think in general we're all uh, pro uh, geek groups and say you should go join one or start one or do a combination of the two
1: yes I have met some of the best people through geek groups The
3: piece of advice I would give is join a geek group before you start a geek group.
1: Probably. (laughs) However, if there's something you're really interested in and there's no geek group, find a few friends and start your own little geek group. There's no reason to
0: You can start a group with three people. We I mean, we've we've shown several instances where that's happened. And you know, you just gotta find those couple of people to start it with and if it's just those three people and you're having fun with it, great, but it could grow into something, you know much bigger than you expected in a in a few weeks a few months you know
2: and eventually dwindle out and die
0: and eventually dwindle out and die it's just the life cycle of
3: (laughs) all things all things
0: all right well on that very kind of morbid solemn note we're gonna (laughs) end our topic of the week and uh go into our second break
2: Follow our links and download the podcast MP3 from our website, RelatedToGeeks.com. You can also listen on our YouTube channel.
0: Alright, everybody, welcome back. We're going to go into our picks of the week. These are just some things that we've enjoyed this past week and want to recommend to you. So we're going to start off with Dad.
2: Boingboing.net I've been a fan of Boing Boing for years, and just this last uh, two or three weeks, I I got a link to a comic, you know, and I read it, and it was being promoted on Boing Boing. So uh, uh, I, I like the author Cory Doctorow, and he's a regular on uh, Boing Boing, and it's a long-term geek blog that uh, covers a lot of serious stuff and a lot of just weird stuff. So, if you're into serious or weird stuff, off-the-wall geek stuff, um, try boingboing.net. Serious and weird. That
0: just makes me think of the Joker.
2: Seriously weird.
0: Seriously weird. That's the Joker.
2: Yeah. Um, Boingboing.net. I I actually was drawn into it with a comic that had a jester. And because, you know, of the Harry Larry's Merry Prankster group and my... um, uh, @hlmp.info blog I had to get that jester on my website so and then I realized I was there at boing boing and I've been going back
3: very
0: cool very cool
3: You notice how you
2: I worked in that it plug now? It, uh-huh. is. Se- it is shameless
0: shameless self plugs I'm all for it Yeah
3: Yeah I'm looking at it now it's definitely seriously weird
2: Yeah Weird stuff
3: That's my favorite kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> watching a drone with a pistol mounted on it
0: we have lost Kier for plan. the rest of the podcast <laughs> yep. yep I'm just going
3: to look at this website
0: <laughs> alright alright Kier pull yourself away
3: alright my pick of the week is a YouTube channel called Lindy Beige I don't know if you guys have heard of this one or not, but this is a uh, guy who is really enthusiastic, especially about uh, medieval combat and how it is portrayed in RPGs and movies. Uh, He has some other topics that he covers in his uh, videos, but those are the ones that I have just binge-watched beginning to end, and he talks about uh, how people actually fought in medieval ages, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you can't go and look up a video, so there's a whole lot of speculation on how people fought, and, uh, uh, I don't know if he's ever said what group he's a part of, but he's obviously a part of some some medieval reenactment groups, and, uh, he's obviously partaken in some medieval combat himself. He talks about, you know, the number one fumble is not ever really represented in any role-playing game, and that's, I tried to draw my weapon, but it got stuck. He talks about how people actually fought with two weapons, and no, you didn't actually just attack twice as much, you primarily used one weapon to parry and the other weapon to attack. He talks about how units would fight with mixed weapons and, you know, have each other's back and it's it's just a really interesting series and then he goes on to just tear apart Hollywood movies where people are obviously swinging at each other's swords and overly choreographed uh, attacks or people are dodging out of a way of an attack that was definitely going to miss them mm-hmm. yeah he he is a a very fascinating man
0: <laughs> my favorite in movies is when like the actor starts to dodge the attack before the attack has begun
3: yeah
2: my favorite in movies is when you say but I am also not left handed
1: that's best without a doubt
2: (laughs) but speaking of geek groups oops that was the last one speaking of geek groups Society for Creative Anachronism is a great geek group
1: oh yeah now, that's one that so that's, here was pretty pretty heavily involved in for a while too.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I used to love going to the park and watching them hit each other with
1: sticks. We did that yep. a couple of times. I never hit anybody with a stick or let anybody hit me with a stick, but we would, would watch. I had a lot of friends that were in that group as well. Speaking of geek crossovers,
3: yeah the the other thing the, that he is very common to point out for Lindy Beige is you know in. In most role-playing games, you have these classifications of swords. You have the short sword and the long sword and the great sword and the bastard sword. And really, if you look at swords in history, they there were not these classifications. It was a continuum. You know, it wasn't here's a foot and a half long sword and that's a short sword and here's a, a, a three-foot long sword and therefore it's a long sword. There was every sword length in between and every handle length in between for, you know, each one of those swords, and it was very much, you know, the weapon that that guy fought with and got good with. That was the weapon he used.
1: Now, whenever you told me about this last week, and I, I showed my husband and daughter because, I mean, that was that was your theory is that that Liz would get a huge kick out of it, and and she did. But my husband um, stayed up pretty late that night, I think, long after I went to bed, and binge watched <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Page. he
3: used <laughs> I think he uh, he did one video where he was talking about how he makes his shirts. and he's like, now, that today. <laughs> yeah, he's like, now, before I begin, I'd like to point out to my target audience, this is probably not the video you're used to seeing. He says, if you're a member of my target audience, odds are you're male between the ages of 10 and 30 and are really into battle axes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is funny because none of us in this house fit that profile i mean not a yeah. one of us and we watched a lot of his videos including the um how he makes his shirts <laughs> because yeah. you know but and it was like it was just that you know the, the the amount that you saw on the the youtube was just enough to go i really wonder what this is about because there is nothing on what we saw on our tv that said anything about shirts it just said everything you need to know about and we're like, huh, I wonder what that is. And then we found out it was shirts, but at that point we were already, so I don't know. He's just pretty entertaining. Yeah. I think is what it uh, is. So you'll watch a uh, 20 minute video on how he makes his shirts. I don't know if it was 20 minutes, but but we watched <laughs> the whole thing.
3: <laughs> you'll also watch a, probably five, 10 minute videos on battle axes. Yes. So
0: what you're <laughs> and we watched
1: all kinds
3: of stuff.
0: So what you're saying is I should probably not look this guy up right after we're done with the podcast. Otherwise, I'll be up till 3 in the morning. That it's is a 100% correct. Okay. So I will I will be checking him out tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Sarah, what's your pick of the week? So my pick of the week is something that I think has
1: probably been around for a while, but I just found out about it today. And I am really super excited to try it. Um, there is a post on Google Plus by a guy named Matt Smith and um he has done (laughs) I even left a pause there for you no I don't think it's that Matt Smith (laughs) Smith. but (laughs) um anyway he has created a dungeon screen out of two cd cases so that all of your information that you need fits onto something that's like six inches tall as opposed to 11 inches tall um And I think it's brilliant because you can kind of join the two cases together. You can close them up. He's even got a link to a PDF insert with, I think it's fifth ed information on it. So you could just download it, print it and get it out and stick it in your own CD cases. I'm, I'm really interested in trying it with um, dungeon crawl classics, which is the game that I like to play. I have it right now. My dungeon screen is landscape. So I'm only eight and a half inches, but tall, but I'm pretty short. So even that, that, inch and a half or so or a couple of inches that that i would gain by using the cd cases i think could be helpful and it's still enough to hide die rolls if you want to and i just like having something out so i can have all that pertinent information um dcc is pretty heavy on tables so there's a lot of stuff that i like to have without having to flip through even a a little booklet that only has that information just to be able to see it out there um but yeah i just thought it was it, it was pretty cool Um, I found out about it. I'm going to do a double plug here because I I found out about it um, with um, John Four's emails. John 4 is a guy who who publishes a RPG newsletter about mainly how to be a a DM and tips and tricks and stuff like that. And it's something that he shared on his newsletter that I got this morning. And I thought it was pretty cool. So I am going to definitely be trying that.
3: Yeah, I like custom... Dungeon Master screens because I find that what you need to reference not only varies from game to game, but also varies from, from Game Master to Game Master. You know, I got the uh, the the Fifth Ed official RPG screen that was gifted to me by one of my players on uh, a DM Appreciation Day. Uh, I, You know, it's really, really nice, but I'm looking at the information referenced on it and, I mean, I just rarely use it the things that I really need as a DM, like, okay, give me a, a random name generator because good Lord, I cannot come up with a name on the fly. You meet your (laughs) third merchant and his name is Bob.
1: (laughs) That works too. But (laughs) I really like having access to something like that. I, I do have the, they did a free RPG day. Dungeon Crawl classics gave away a judge's screen and our, our other brother, one of our brothers, um, picked one up for me because I was not able to get to a game store that day because, mm-hmm. like I said, I live in the middle of nowhere. So he picked that up for me. And honestly, I don't know. I haven't played since I, I got the screen, but I honestly don't know that I would I would use it because it is. It's a it's a portrait, so it's 11 inches tall. And mm-hmm. I really, really feel like I, I don't really want to be, like, behind the super big screen when I'm DMing. I want to be a part of it. I'm, I'm not one of the DMs that wants to be, like, off you know, in their own little corner, you know, yep. me against them kind of thing. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, Short certainly. DM screens for the win. Yeah,
0: certainly. So, and I just
1: thought it was kind of, you know, the CD cases, and it's something that you know a lot of people have them laying around their house because, you know, <laughs> there was something that people had, and you don't even necessarily need them anymore, so they're just taking up space. So what this is, used?
2: this is brought to to my mind an idea for a cd case where you have your character sheet on your five by five cut out and you can use dry erase markers on the outside of the case to update your character sheet
1: yeah a lot of people I've, use protectors for that that's yeah. a you know that's a possibility have a little uh, compact character sheet oh uh,
3: the, uh, the Warhammer, World, not Warhammer, uh, World of Warcraft collectibles card game had these great little cases. I ended up getting my hands on a bunch of them. Uh, but uh, essentially, they are big enough to hold kind of like a folded and a half character sheet, a pencil, uh, a deck of cards, some dice, a miniature. And it all, I mean, it originally held just a couple of decks of cards, a pencil, and some rules. But it can be converted to hold your character sheet, pencil, dice, miniature, uh, some reference cards, and you fold up the little box, and you got your little character in a box. And I was, I was intrigued that's by that name. concept. I've, I've yet to actually do anything with them, but uh, <laughs> I've got a closet
1: full possi- of. <laughs> the possibility <laughs> is there. I've got a closet full of possibilities. That's that's an issue I have.
0: That's a great name for a blog. <laughs>
3: closet full of possibilities that is an awesome name
1: (laughs) a designer that works at one of the 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 stores that i create for she she described it in a podcast that she used to do as her um closet full of broken dreams her craft closet that just (laughs) of of broken dreams because she would try stuff and it didn't take it didn't take i've just got this closet full of stuff i want to do in the future
0: yeah she had the she had the pessimistic view we're 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 optimistic (laughs) here on this podcast yeah, Possibility,
3: much better. So,
1: I, so probably, Megan, I probably have a few broken dreams in mind too, though. So, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna try to pretend I don't. I so, so Megan,
3: her. what do you, you been geeking? What's what's your uh, pick of the week? You're so good at been
0: this year. Of the week of the week.
3: <laughs> Can you pick a geek this week? What? <laughs>
0: Uh, my my pick of the week is bullet journaling and uh, bullet journaling. I love
1: bullet journaling.
0: It's awesome. It's a great system. Um, it's, it's basically just an all-in-one to-do list, planning, uh, brain dump system that you can use and you can make it as simple or as complicated as you want. You can do it in any notebook that you have lying around and it's just basically you develop a system of bullets that work for you. A very common one is to just do like a box for tasks and as you complete the tasks you check them off and then you can do like a dot for like thoughts or maybe an event that's coming up that you just gotta remember and you can separate it by the day so you can have your your list for that day. And then the next day, Anything that you didn't accomplish the day before, you move to the the new day, and it kind of it also keeps you you know in a headspace to where you're like I don't want my list to get so long, so I actually have to get to where I actually check some of this off so it won't move to the next day because you're constantly having to rewrite those lists and you're constantly aware it's like oh I've taken this long to do this thing so either it's just not a priority and I need to scratch it off and not worry about it, or I need to just get it done and you know check it off and not have to keep trans, you know I think they call it what do they call it something weird but basically yeah, you're moving it they, they they call it like a migration migration. Migration. Yeah, migration they call it migration but I, I call it moving it because I I like simple words um, but it's a whole system that this guy set up I think the actual website is something along the lines of bullet dad will have the link posted somewhere because I'll send it to him but uh it is uh it's a really neat it's system.
3: What were you recommending to me earlier today, Sarah?
1: I was recommending a system called Autofocus.
3: Autofocus. Um, and I have kind of... a lot simpler.
1: <laughs> well, it just depends. I mean, it depends on what it is that you're looking for. I would recommend looking at the videos for both of them. Um, both um writer strong who did the bullet journal system and mark forster who did the autofocus system have really good videos showcasing how they work and i actually kind of use both of them together in in ways um
2: i have the system i use i just do whatever i want whenever i want to do it
0: (laughs) yeah the benefits to being retired (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so i
1: use i use bullet, bullet journaling more for things that i have to do um or things that are i guess yeah mostly th- things that i have to do and i i basically use both of them as task lists i use autofocus more for projects that i want to work on or that i want to work towards a goal and I, I haven't been using autofocus much at all lately but i did a while back like it was just a way, Like, if I was wanting to work on, say, a Project Life album, I would kind of write down the things that I needed to do, because there was no deadline on those. Autofocus, well, neither one are really great for deadlines, but autofocus is really poor for deadlines, because the idea with autofocus is that you can work on a task, cross it off, and then move it to the end of your list. So you get to cross it off, even if you don't finish it, which is kind of a, a motivator for some Mm -hmm. people, me included. I like crossing things off. And if I can work on something for 15 minutes and cross it off and move it to the end of the list, I get more satisfaction than working on something for 15 minutes and it just sitting there still looming.
0: Another system that's, that's really interesting and I've been toying around with a little bit, trying to figure out ways to implement it is the, uh, I believe it's pronounced Kanban system, K-A-N-B-A-N. Um, but it is a, uh, it's used a lot for, uh, uh, groups of uh, developers to kind of just know what tasks have been completed and what tasks are being worked on but it's it's a three-stage process where you have your stuff that has to be done your stuff that's in progress and the stuff that's been completed so it works well for groups because they can see what's being worked on and who's working on it and know okay when that thing's done then I can move on and do this other thing but the way that the, the system really works nicely for, uh, and I'm, I'm planning on kind of using this system for when I start blogging, is uh, you're, you're limited to how many you can have in the in progress section. So that prevents you from just starting and doing the first 15 minutes of every task and never actually completing anything. But that's yeah. what I'm good at. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's my strong suit. <laughs> that's why I like <laughs> autofocus. I get to cross those things off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely use still, I mean, I use bullet journaling in my, my planner and I don't migrate each day. And I only, I limit myself to a, a short amount of tasks each day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a week of the view spread. So the next week, if I don't have everything finished, then I migrate it to the next week. And, and there is something about that repetition of looking at it and writing it every day. Or every week that you're like okay I should probably maybe get on that because I've written this down for three weeks in a row and maybe it's time to to do that thing whatever that thing might be and that works well for me too it's like a nagging a nagging system
2: I found that the uh, condom system works a lot better than the rhythm method
0: okay Oh,
1: geez, <laughs> I'm done with
3: this podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, so, now I use the, the, the Kanban system at work. I work with a bunch of developers. Uh, we actually have uh, uh, five steps, I believe, where we have kind of a, this needs to be done, this is being done, okay, this is ready for review, this is in review, and then this has been reviewed and it's good. Mm-hmm. And so because we've got a whole QA department who tests all the code after we write it. And uh, the, the, the the thing about the Kanban system is that it is kind of flexible and you can set up as few or as many lanes as you need and uh, work your restrictions out as you need them.
0: Yeah, with, uh, with, with both of these systems that I talked about today, I kind of explained the, the simplest version of it. And you can really develop them to be as specific as you need them to be
3: this is actually really pertinent to my life right now. I was actually just talking to Sarah about it this afternoon because I'm getting to a point where I've got so much going on in my life where I'm starting to have to really like schedule my downtime. And it's a weird feeling to schedule your downtime. Mm-hmm.
2: Very important though. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: And I mean, I do the same because like I, I said, I, I have a ton of hobbies and, you know, it's, it, are those things, I think those things that you enjoy need to go in some sort of, don't just make your planner or, or bullet journal or stuff all about the stuff you have to do, the stuff that's not necessarily fun. Put fun stuff in it. Um, make sure you make time for that and and get to mark those off, too. That's, you know, marking off the easy stuff's fun, too. You know, we were talking about Facebook groups earlier in a way to have that virtual connection. I'm part of a bullet journal Facebook group (laughs) so um, (laughs) you can see all kinds of of ideas about how people have really complicated it (laughs) it is supposed to be a really simple system but but people will always take it and 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 change up any system to make it work better for them and some people some people keep it simple and some people definitely make it more complex because that's what works for them um, and I think it's really interesting to see how people lay it out. And I take ideas from, from stuff from time to time and implement it. And I think it's really neat to have that that kind of community. of It's so ne- neat the age that we live in and have that kind of community just there for you to to learn from. And YouTube videos to learn about the bullet system from.
2: Sarah, pick of the week. She already
1: did hers. I already did it.
2: Well, What was yours?
1: <laughs> the theme screen. It's it's Does boing DM boing DM screen, DM screen
0: out of journaling your character uh, in a in a CD case that you're you brilliant idea you oh okay oh you know that is, as her, her part of picked. part of Sarah's yeah
3: okay <laughs> to summarize boing boing DM screen journaling battle axes yeah battle
0: axes <laughs> we're well rounded
3: <laughs> well that's our picks of the week. <laughs> Boing Boing Battleaxe.
1: There's a name for a game.
3: Or, my next superhero in icons.
1: There you go. That would be a good superhero (laughs) name. Boing Boing Battleaxe.
0: Boing Boing Battleaxe. Well, that sounds like probably the best ending we could ever have hoped for. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. But until then... Join a geek group, you know, go watch some YouTube videos and and have all kinds of fun just being a geek. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.
1: Geek groups or geeky groups, either one, it doesn't matter. Geeky groups. Geek groups. Geek groups. Geek groups. Geek. Geek, Geek groups. groups.
0: Geek groups. Times with bleep loops. If you say it, say it enough, it sounds like nothing.